Our second scripture reading is found in Matthew chapter 22. I'll be reading verses 34 through 40 in Matthew chapter 22. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Number one. When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said repent, he willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. Number two, this word cannot be understood as referring to the sacrament of penance, that is, confession and satisfaction as administered by the clergy. Number three, yet it does not mean solely inner repentance. Such inner repentance is worthless unless it produces various outward mortification of the flesh. What you have just heard were the first three of 95 statements, I'm not going to read them all, that Martin Luther reportedly nailed to the door of the Castle Church in Wittenberg, Germany on October 31st, 1517. If you do the math, in two days, Halloween 2017 will be the 500th anniversary of this event. This list, better known as the 95 Theses, was distributed far and wide, along with Luther's fiery sermons that followed with the aid of a new technology called the printing press. The event and the controversy that followed, which sparked what we call the Protestant Reformation, is seen by many as the most significant event in Western Christian history. Luther's grievance with the Catholic Church was based on his concerns regarding the selling of indulgences by the church, which were essentially pardons for sins in exchange for money. And it became a rather lucrative practice in the church, for the church. I read a portion of an article called The History of Indulgences by a professor at Westchester University in Pennsylvania. He writes, although reformers had many complaints about the Catholic Church of the 16th century, the practice of selling indulgences raised the most opposition. An indulgence was a payment to the Catholic Church that purchased an exemption from punishment or penance for some types of sins. You could not get an indulgence to excuse a murder, but you could get one to excuse many lesser sins, such as thinking lustful thoughts about someone who was not your spouse. The customers for indulgences were Catholic believers who feared that if one of their sins went unnoticed or unconfessed, they would spend extra time in purgatory before reaching heaven, or worse, wind up in hell for failing to repent. The sale of indulgences was a byproduct of the Crusades, 
in the 12th and 13th centuries. Because they risked dying without the benefit of a priest to perform the appropriate ceremonies, crusaders were promised immediate salvation if they died while fighting to liberate the Christian holy city at Jerusalem. Church leaders justified this by arguing that good works earned salvation and making Jerusalem accessible to Christians was an example of a good work. Over time, church leaders decided that paying money to support good works was just as good as performing good works. And it evened things up for people who were physically incapable of fighting a crusade. Over several centuries, the practice expanded, and church leaders justified it by arguing that they had inherited an unlimited amount of good works from Jesus, and the credit for these good works could be sold to believers in the form of indulgences. In other words, indulgences functioned like confession insurance against eternal damnation because if you purchased an indulgence, then you wouldn't go to hell if you died suddenly or forgot to confess something. In later years, the sale of indulgences spread to include forgiveness for the sins of people who were already dead. Going back to Luther, the preamble, if you will, to these 95 theses reads as follows. Out of love for the truth and from desire to elucidate it, the Reverend Father Martin Luther, Master of Arts and Sacred Theology, an ordinary lecturer therein at Wittenberg, intends to defend the following statements and to dispute on them in that place. Therefore, he asks that those who cannot be present and dispute with him orally shall do so in absence by letter. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Luther enthusiastically embraced the idea of the priesthood of all believers, which meant that Christians didn't require an intermediary to commune with God. He believed it was the duty of each individual Christian to enter into a personal relationship with God. In the pursuit of this task, Luther translated the Bible into German, the language of the people, along with worship services that had historically only been conducted in Latin. Reverend Johannes Bloch, pastor of Wittenberg's evangelical city and parish church, where Luther preached some 2,000 sermons, says the Reformation led to the idea you are responsible for yourself. Everybody is responsible for his faith. It's a step of democracy. Everybody is equal in the church. Faith was no longer going to be controlled by gatekeepers. It would be freely available to the masses. Well, thank you very much, Reverend Father Martin Luther. You know, things were just fine until you stepped in. The church was making a truckload of money. I mean, come on. People are always going to sin, and so it will be a never-ending supply of wealth for the church, not to mention the church leadership. For those of us who are affluent, which according to the world standards would be everyone in this place, we can pay for our sins. I mean, literally, pay for our sins. Wow! 
I've probably got enough in savings that I could be all paid up for a while. Then the church would take care of my relationship with God and I could do my own thing. Well, until I would run out of indulgences. I wonder if the church keeps a record of those. Really. Thanks a lot, Luther. For you see, I can no longer hide behind the church to take care of my sins. I can no longer put the onus on an intermediary between God and me. I have a personal relationship with God. I am responsible before God. I'm responsible for the living out of my faith. I am free. But I'm also responsible. And so what does the Reformation look like 500 years later in today's world? What exactly does that freedom and responsibility entail today? Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. They gathered together. One of them, a lawyer, asked a question, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? And Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Our responsibility? Love God and love others. This is not a new topic for us. You've heard it preached and taught in this place on numerous occasions. Oh, the simplicity of it all. We don't have to answer to the church to be in good standing before God. All we have to do is to love God and love others. So why, my dear friends, is there so much hatred in the world today? A recent Pew Research study indicated that the partisan split in American politics is higher than it has been in decades. But it's not just a split in what one believes. It now goes deeper than that. Quoting the NPR report on the study, Democrats and Republicans have worse views of each other than ever before. The Pew study underscored a deep distaste for the other side, along with evidence of just how polarized society as a whole has become geographically and socially. Among both Republicans and Democrats, the share of very unfavorable opinions of the other party has more than doubled in the past 23 years. In 1994, just 16% of Democrats said they held very unfavorable opinions of the GOP. Two decades later, that number has practically tripled to 44%. The numbers are almost identical in how Republicans view Democrats too. 17% in 1994 45% now. Partisans have long held unfavorable views of the other party, but negative opinions are now more widely held and intensely felt than in the past, the study notes. Jesus said, 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But you see, we don't have to answer to the church to be in good standing before God. All we have to do is to love God and love others. So why is there so much hatred in the world today? The list of influential men in our society who have sexually assaulted and sexually abused women deemed as subordinates continues to grow. Almost every day we hear of new accusations from the world of entertainment to the corporate world to the news media world to the political world. It is a stunningly disgusting snapshot into the world of male-dominated power brokers in our society. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And a second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But remember, we don't have to answer to the church to be in good standing before God. All we have to do is to love God and love others. I ask you again, so why is there then so much hatred in the world today? We see marches like the one in Charlottesville, Virginia that should turn our stomachs but even closer to home, white nationalist rallies were planned in Shelbyville and Murfreesboro, Tennessee, yesterday. The rallies were being held by the Nationalist Front, a coalition of white nationalists, white supremacists, and neo-Nazi groups included are the Nationalist Socialist Movement, the League of the South, and the Traditionalist Workers' Party, all of which are considered either neo-Nazi or neo-Confederate groups. The one in Shelbyville took place. The one in Murfreesboro did not. It was can canceled after approximately a thousand counter-protesters showed up and with only 30 white nationalists at the event, by 315, the League of the South, the group that got the permit for the Murfreesboro event, had decided not to participate. Small victories. But remember, we don't have to answer to the church to be in good standing before God. All we have to do is to love God and love others. So why is there so much hatred in the world today? You see, I've listed the easy ones. These are the headlines that we can look to and say, oh my goodness, no way. I mean, I would hope that all of us would recognize partisan hatred in Washington, D.C. I would hope that all of us would be able to condemn the actions of sexual predators. I would hope that all of us would be disgusted with the, the types of marches and hateful rhetoric that we've seen in our country lately. But unfortunately, in our recognition of the hatred toward others in our world, we have the tendency to overlook 
our own responsibility in that regard. I mean, really. When we hear a sitting senator, Bob Corker, writing that it's a shame the White House has become an adult daycare center, and then you have the President of the United States of America publicly stating that Bob Corker couldn't get elected dog catcher in Tennessee. I mean, those barbs might be fun. They are funny. They are funny. I mean, I laugh at them when I hear them. But there's something else that they do to us. And by the way, that was Republican or Republican. I haven't gotten into Democrat or Republican, okay? When we hear that type of mean-spirited discourse, it seems to make my snide political comments mild in comparison. But guess what, folks? Jesus doesn't let me off the hook that easily. And when we hear stories about dozens of women who were accusing Harvey Weinstein of disgusting behavior, it does something to us. It angers us on their behalf. But it also tends to make my sharp comments to a spouse or a co-worker seem so much less of an issue. Folks, Jesus doesn't let me off the hook that easily. And when we hear of hate groups marching and carrying on, we watch in shock. We marvel at the hatred displayed, but something else can happen also. Those kinds of events can lead us into thinking that our petty little biases toward others, they don't come anywhere near to what we see on TV. But again, believe me, Jesus does not let us off the hook that easily. For you see, the bottom line is this. Luther was right. We don't need a priest. We don't need the formal church to put us into a right relationship with God. That's on us. Choir sang an anthem based on David's famous psalm of repentance, Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. I go back to Luther's first statement of the 95. When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said repent, he willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. So how can we, how can you and I lessen the hatred in our world today? Maybe we need to look back 500 years. And maybe we need to make sure that we are taking some of this Reformation talk seriously. And that begins with a reformed me. Let's pray.